Hello, and thank you for listening. This is Dean McPherson, Head of Global Mining for Toronto Stock Exchange and TSX Venture Exchange. Welcome to TMX Presents, the podcast. This is where we have conversations with capital market leaders from around the world. This episode was originally recorded for the Northern Miners podcast, and I'm pleased to be able to share it here. I joined host Adrian Pocabelli to talk about all things mining. We covered a lot of ground. Some of the topics we covered included the outlook for the mining sector, what makes Toronto Stock Exchange and TSX Venture Exchange unique as a two-tiered ecosystem, lead in the world, the benefits of graduating from the junior to the senior board, Chinese mining companies and the Canadian government's recent action, and last but certainly not least, the exchange's plans for the PDAC 2023, the world's premier mining event about to kick off here in Toronto. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Adrian. Joining me today, I am very pleased to welcome back a familiar face in the mining scene, Dean McPherson, Head of Business Development for Mining at TMX Group to the Northern Miner Podcast. Dean, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, happy to be here. Good to see you again. Always great to participate uh, with the Northern Miner. Well, we appreciate that. And yeah, I mean, I've met you before at the Canadian Mining Symposium in London a couple of times. So anyways, it's great to see you over the airwaves here, so to speak. So tell me, you're at TMX and you are head of business development for mining. How are things going in the context of mining and the TMX? What's new? What's going on? How are you guys feeling? Just give us the latest on what's going on there. Uh, we're feeling pretty good. We're uh, pretty excited about the path forward here. You know, like many people in the mining sector, we are uh, pretty excited in spite of a little bit of a slowdown in the market and um, certainly in the past six months. But the fundamentals certainly point to a lot of uh, reasons to be uh, optimistic and excited. And I think we're the same. As I move around and, and talk to uh, participants in our in our sector, you know, stakeholders from uh, companies listed and from companies considering a listing and bankers as well and other stakeholders, uh, there is a general mood of optimism um, despite the, the slow markets over the past six months. And I think that really has to do with the fundamentals. Uh, you know, if you take a step back into, I would say, the la- latter half of 2020, you know, of course, the pandemic was a shock to the markets. And once there was a an adjustment or digestion, if you will, of that shock, the market sort of uh, took off, right? Particularly around precious metals and, and battery metals. And uh, I think as we moved into 2021, battery metals really took center stage and and uh, was the focus for everyone. I, I think as investors and broader stakeholders outside of the, the mining sector came to realize that uh, the mining sector actually has a pretty um, critical role to play, pun intended, in attaining global um, objectives around um, the energy transition um, strategy that most governments were embracing. That I think was really the bottom line, the underlying momentum for 2021 being the year that it was. You know, I think the sector around the world, not only on our markets, excelled and certainly had the best year in terms of new companies joining the public markets and companies 
raising capital through the public markets. We had a stellar year, and I think if you look around the world, you'll see the same. 2022, uh, again, due to the fundamentals and the, and the recognition by broader investors that the mining sector was very, was very central to supplying the commodities needed to support the energy objectives, uh, global emissions reduction objectives globally. As that momentum pushed into 2022, we were also optimistic. Of course, we never, no one anticipated the, the external shocks to the marketplace, in particular the war that kicked off at the end of February last year. That certainly had a significant impact, adding to the already challenges we were expecting from the pandemic recovery. And so 2022, although at the start we were hoping to be great, turned out to be a, a period of, I don't know what you want to call it, but let's say challenge. Certainly by September last year, it was challenging. The markets had slowed significantly. And as we came to the end of last year, I think broad expectations was that the first part of 2023 was going to be continued to be challenging as the market sort of rolled out. Investors were expecting to ride out the global recession that is that seemed imminent. So I think we're in the middle of that right now, and certainly we feel it in the marketplace. We've seen a slowdown in IPOs, new companies um, coming to the public markets. We've seen investors sort of trying to step to the side and, and understand how long this recession is going to be and what's the impact. So there's been a general um, um, slowdown in the marketplace. Again, it is as per expected. The expectation seems to be that the first half is going to be challenging. The good news is that it's been better than we expected. <laughs> uh, one key indicator in the space is the, the amount of capital being raised. We've seen financing activities picking up at the end of last month and certainly at, by the end of January, in fact. We've seen some pickup in, in, in select deals. It's not this, at the pace that we are happy with, but certainly it was encouraging and has been encouraging to see that pickup in financing activities. And I think generally this has always been the case as you see slick deals starting to get done, being pushed across the line. Eventually we will have a full on um, pipe of uh, financings that are being done. On the IPO front, I can say that a few of our issuers that were expected to come to market at the, by the end of last year and had put a pause because of the market trepidations or, or investors' trepidation that I mentioned earlier. We're seeing now those IPOs are coming back and say, okay, we're beginning to, to market, we're beginning to talk, we want to start the wheels turning to, to hopefully have an IPO before the, the, the middle of this year. So all very encouraging signs and certainly uh, going back to the fundamentals that sort of pushed 2021 into the stellar year it was, those are still there and perhaps even more urgent than than before. And certainly uh, the Canadian government, the American government, and um, the Australian government, of course, were uh, at, ahead of this. But we are all seeing governments now pushing to execute on their critical mineral strategy. And those objectives are still real and still in focus. And as they are, the mining sector's fundamentals are are still very, very much positive. Well, that's fascinating. And I definitely want to get into the relationship, say, between the government and mining. Uh, but before we do that, just, you know, still on the TMX uh, briefly here, it has been a very difficult 10 years, you might say, from 2010 to 2020 in the mining sector, or maybe 2011, pick your year. So 
in the context of where we were, say, in the last, you know, bull market or 2010, are there more mining companies now? Are there far less? I imagine there would be less, but I don't know, which is why I asked the question. Like, how how are we doing in terms of just publicly listed mining companies in Canada? I think we're doing great. I, I don't think the, the beer market extended as long as many might think. Uh, you know, if you look back, the market really started coming out of that beer zone back in um, 2017, maybe even as early as 2016, we started to see uh, the sector coming back to life. And certainly by the end of 2017, there was a revival in the marketplace. What what was new was the volatility. The volatility was quite high after 2017. And, um, you know, we've had periods where companies or, or investors were excited and, you know, the market was doing well and and companies were coming to market, raising capital, etc. And then we had long periods of slowdowns. So uh, what was new in this new phase of the mining sector? Well, um, certainly I wouldn't call it bull, a bull phase that we had prior to 2011. But there was a pickup in the mining sector. And uh, I think it was new. The mining sector had come back in a way which was interesting in that there was a bit of a redressing, a new approach to business. Larger companies were a lot more disciplined. Management were more disciplined. Investors were asking more. Factors like ESG became uh, more important to investors and as a result, more important to companies, large and small, as well as a broader sense of uh, fiscal responsibility entered the market, especially for the larger miners. So you saw a bit of a slowdown in M&A activity, and then those deals that were done tended to be a lot more, um, let's say, generally accepted as prudent. So, you know, the sector has shown life since 2017 and good life as well, very encouraging, and came back in a way that I think many would agree was dressed uh, more appropriately for the new age and the new demands of not only investors, but stakeholders generally. You know, um, a new way of doing business where diversity was was important, where female participation in the workplace and, and at senior board levels as well, not just operation levels at a lower level, and a broader um, accountability to the environments in which um, they operated was all all factors that I think added to the long term or are adding to the long term success of the mining sector. And I think if you move the needle along from 2017 to 2021, let's say, we had this stage where, you know, maybe perhaps because of many external factors, the war, for instance, uh, COVID, the mining sector sort of experienced a bit of transformation in the sense that uh, broader generalist investors started to recognize that this is not the evil sector that, that needs to be erased from our industries, but one that was very, very important and without which we will not be able to do this energy transition um, that we've all um, certainly come to realize it's it's going to be a big part of any objective to reduce global emissions by 2030s or 2040s, that type of time frame. So, you know, the energy transition is a big part of meeting those objectives. And certain, and at this, and at the right time, most people came to realize that the mining sector, we need the, the commodities from this mining sector to be inputs into the technologies that we have today to execute on this energy transition. 
So it all came together quite well. And so what all that did was the, we, have, we are in a position right now where we have fundamentals that are saying, okay, so investors, stakeholders have recognized the importance of the sector. The sector is more prepared for the spotlight in just the way it does business. It's one of the most modern, efficient, and forward-thinking sector in terms of how it does business and interact with its environment. And it had to do it. It, it wasn't by choice. It was, it was demanded of investors and stakeholders in which communities in which uh, mining companies operate. Are we perfect yet? No, there's still work to be done. But I think if you take the mining sector up against any industry globally, you will see that it measures pretty well just because of the nature of its business. It's, it needs to be at the front because it's such an impactful sector. And the impact is immediate in many cases. So the mining sector is prepared for the spotlight. And I think the encouraging thing is that this, the fundamentals, again, support a lot of reason to be positive about the future. So, yeah, we, we have had many companies transformed, um, companies acquired, companies uh, disappeared, perhaps bankrupt. But Overall, you'll find that the level of mining companies has not diminished. Uh, we, we Currently, we have over, over 1,200 mining companies listed on both of our markets. And uh, the majority of those, uh, just over 800 of them, are listed on our growth market, the TSX Venture Exchange. So uh, I would say any any notion that the mining sector has diminished is dead. I think more companies are coming to market. We're certainly seeing no sharp decline in in mining companies come into the marketplace you know from every year every year you might not have the same number but we're certainly seeing growth and we're happy about that we're very enthusiastic about this sector for us it's still a large part of our business and so uh and globally it's a business that we're proud of because uh, close to half the, the companies listed globally are listed on our markets and and more close to half of the financings done globally are through our markets as a result. So we are still the center of it invest for both investors and companies listed and once looking to get listed. They tend to look to our marketplace first. So, yeah, that is my understanding is that the TSX is, in fact, and correct me if I'm wrong, the preeminent exchange for Mining globally, as far as I understand. So absolutely, absolutely. I think I think if you have half the, the the publicly listed mining companies listed globally on your marketplace, I think that's a pretty strong argument to say you are the preeminent marketplace. <laughs> I I would concur. So when a mining company or you know big or small, when they're considering listing on the TSX. Why should a mining company list on the TSX? Like, what do you tell them? Like, what is the what is the benefit for them instead of not listing and just staying on the U.S. markets or London or whatever the case may be? Why should they list on the TSX? Well, I think the conversation naturally starts with, the, say, the last point I just made about um, this. Uh, more companies are listed with us than any exchange globally. So if you look at the volumes traded with us as well, it's a very active marketplace. We have a place for every company. We're not a market that favors or have some sort of um, prejudice to large cap companies. You know, we we are a market that embrace early stage companies. We embrace and 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 we have a very extensive and well-developed and a strong team of professionals, capital market professionals, in, ex-investment bankers, ex-salespeople, law, ex-lawyers who have joined the TSX to work with companies and provide almost consulting service to our 
issuers from the point of us making contact at the, the prospective stage where we're meeting with companies that are private looking to, to come public to, to companies that are already listed with us as they grow from 20 million, 5 million market cap up to 3 billion, you know, we, uh, 3 billion market cap, we, our commitment and, and work with those companies is nonstop. And as I said, a lot of the, the services that we provide are at the highest level of consultancy, capital markets uh, consultancy, because the success of our issuers is critical for us. So a large part of those services that we offer is why we have more companies listed with us than any other um, exchange globally. When I meet with a with a company that's looking to go, that's private, let's say, and they're considering different markets or et cetera, Presenting to them a marketplace that has not only within the TMX group, but externally as well within Canada, an ecosystem of professionals experienced in the mining sector and have the deepest knowledge and expertise to help them succeed as a company and to grow, to create value for their shareholders and realizing that this is an objective and a practice that is uh, in concert. Again, not only with us, with our internal professionals that will work with you and support you going forward, but uh, with also the, the broader ecosystem of professionals that we have in Canada from our history of being a mining jurisdiction itself. So you are within a country, Canada, financially stable, sound banking system. We are operating a, a financial market. And uh, we are inviting you to join a financial market in a strong country, strong financial background, stable banking system. And we're inviting you to join the largest pool of uh, mining companies globally that have nothing but success on our market. Many stories of companies uh, starting out, as I said, from as little as uh, $5 million market cap after doing an RTO or, or a qualifying transaction through our CPC program to being multi-billion dollar market cap companies in the space of five years and having investors like BlackRock having an other market and global investors who are trying to get exposure to the mining sector and growing to a level where you're, you're so large that you might add um, index opportunities in other markets as well. So many examples of these are on our marketplace. So this is uh, the, the key sell, really. You're, you're given an opportunity here to join a bespoke market with many um, avenues of getting listed, depending on where you are in your life cycle as a company, from very early stage to larger companies already producing, have a place in our market. You can go to the TSX or the TSXV. You can use uh, several one of the several methods of going public that we have. So... It's a very bespoke uh, operation in terms of process and in terms of uh, the help that we provide after you're listed too, that we work with you to ensure that you your exposure to international investors, as I said, like BlackRock, et cetera, is, um, is uh, at the highest. So those, I think, are pretty strong selling points. Uh, it's uh, it's similar, I suspect, to what the NBA does when they market to 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 basketball players in, let's say, Greece. And they say, you know, do you want to continue playing in a league in Europe or do you a small league in Europe or you want to come to the largest uh, league globally? Here's an analogy for you. Uh, we would be the NBA of the mining sector, of the, the global um, cap capital markets or public equity markets for mining companies, you know. So that's the sell, really. Do you want to stay in a small league or do you want to join the largest league in the world? Come I think we have a headline. I, I think we have a headline for our story here. Join the NBA. Uh -huh. 
of mining here. So very briefly, we, we don't have too much time here, Dean, but I want to just get a last thing on the TSX and TSX Venture before we move on to more current event situations. But how do you see the difference between the TSX and the TSX Venture? When should a company graduate briefly, if possible? I would say if you graduate when investors are your investor pool has expanded to a level where you're you're finding that you're being restricted by being on one market. And I would say that's a very long time. We have companies listed with us that are listed on the venture that boast investors like BlackRock, which everybody would agree is probably the the largest, the Michael Jordan of uh of, uh, of, since we're staying with um, metaphors here, our analogies of the um, investor side. So, you know, you, I would say that the, the impetus to, to move from the TSX uh, V to the TSX should probably be driven by your investors. And because what happens is that you are exposed to a broader group of investors by graduating. You are exposed to the opportunity to be in indices, to, to perhaps expose yourself to a larger pool of passive investors. Um, these uh, passive investors that through ETFs, et cetera, who participate through indices in the marketplace. So you broaden the opportunity to broaden your investor base is, is probably the key uh, motivation motivation, I would say. And really that that motivation becomes real as you grow. And I would from my experience and certainly my colleagues here at TMX Group would agree, that motivation seems to 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 peak or certainly take momentum. You start getting calls from investors and a lot of investors in Europe institutional investors globally, really, who often are restricted in which market they can participate. And often they are they're restricted in a sense that they say, we want to participate in a company listed on a senior exchange. And so then in that case, you are you, you, there is a strong motivation there to graduate. And the good thing is that we have a very seamless process. Once you're listed on a TSXV, the process of graduating to the to the TSX is 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 amazing. We have seen an increase in companies taking advantage of that process over the past couple of years, uh, because a lot more companies are getting uh, a lot more interest from international investors and from the passive uh, stream as well. And as they do, they're looking to to graduate. And as I said, we have had record levels of uh, of graduations in the past um, two years, and and certainly we think that will continue. Okay, excellent. So that all makes sense to me. Now, just turning to more current events, we had this situation. I don't know, maybe a month ago, where the Canadian government was asking uh, Chinese investment. Correct me anywhere along the way in your answer uh, to kind of. It kind of wanted to remove Chinese interests in Canadian mining companies or Canadian listed mining companies. There's an article in the FT that was quoting you and, you know, and you seemed, from my understanding, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seemed like you were somewhat troubled by the fact that they were removing investors without replacing it with anything. So can you speak to that whole situation and what you think should happen? Well, first of all, I, I would say, you, you, just to correct your your description of the situation, uh, it is not. It is the case where the actual situation is that the Canadian, the Canadian government, in in their strategy to protect national interests, uh, which uh, certainly that's commendable and something that we, I think, as Canadians, we all applaud and encourage, uh, decided that they wanted to take a closer look at foreign investments. And, and I think they, they, 
the, their objective is to to monitor the the level of foreign governments' um, interests or investments in Canadian companies, which is it's, it's something that's routinely done. I think in this particular case, what the announcement was, um, they had identified three companies that had investors that they determined had significant influence or ownership from the national, the Chinese um, actual government, right? So uh, I just wanted to be clear on that, to correct you in that it's not that the, the statement from the Canadian government was that they were restricting from broadly Chinese companies. We have many companies listed with us with Chinese investors. These particular three companies, they, um, to their research and information, just decided, determined that these companies had investors, Chinese companies that were influenced significantly, influenced or owned by the Chinese government. So that's the situation. As I said, we recognize the, the, the need to, to be protective and to take this action. What we were concerned with was the announcement was left a few questions unanswered. And I think that created some some uncertainty in the marketplace. And I think that was not good. Uh, for instance, one of these companies had projects outside of Canada. And, and so we were, you know, immediately in um, stakeholders, companies and, and companies listed and, and prospective companies were concerned. Like, Wait a minute. We thought this was about Canadian national interest. So why why is it that projects outside of um, Canada is a part of this? And the other part of it was there was a bit of uncertainty as to how broad this action would would go, like, you know, how long and how wide. Is it at the end? Is it the future? Is it that we're going to go retroactively to a bunch of our issuers and et cetera? So we were asking for some um, um, clarification to remove some of any potential uncertainty that might come up as a result. That was one. The other response that we had generally was we were encouraging the Canadian government to continue to to be more involved and and uh, proactive and um, collaborative in their approach to executing on their their critical mineral strategy we we were concerned that you know in executing on their objective to remove foreign influence from the national interest objective would create a vacuum of capital. And so while we're encouraged by the actions of the Canadian government over the past five years, I can tell you the, the government has been more involved in the mining sector and has been more supportive from, and speaking relatively, and, you know, and there are probably people here listening to this and say, oh, they are not. I disagree. I do think that they have been, the government has been doing better. And I think it all started maybe five years ago now when the government actually came and announced that they, I think it was one of these PDAC events, that they are committed to the flow-through program beyond a year. You know, traditionally, the government has always renewed that that commitment annually. And and five years ago, they actually made a long-term commitment to it. And I think that was the start of what I consider to be a more supportive Canadian government in the mining sector. Is it perfect? No, but it, it certainly has been moving in the, in the right direction. And certainly uh, we have, from our uh, position here at the center of it, uh, the government has been connecting with us more and uh, and see, asking us how they can help. And this is government at the provincial level and the federal level. Last April, 
before the provincial government uh, announced their budget and what they were going, going to do about critical minerals and, and the mining sector. We hosted a roundtable here. Our CEO, John McKenzie, hosted a roundtable here where we, where we connected. We brought in companies that are listed with us operating with projects in Ontario and the, the provincial leadership to sit down together and, and through our uh, moderation, talk about how what they can do, what can be done, what we can do, what the companies can do to make the mining sector a success, a global success. And I think that's very encouraging. And only one example of many ways in which I think the government is doing more. Last PDAC, the, the minister, the national minister responsible for mining, the Honorable Mr. Uh, Wilkinson was here in, at PDAC and met with our CEO as well. And I believe this PDAC is going to be here again and we're hosting a market open on Tuesday market morning celebrating the Canadian mining sector. And I think the minister is going to be there and certainly our CEO, John McKenzie, will be hosting that event as well. And this is that system all leading up to ringing the bell at 9.30 to celebrate the Canadian mining sector. So the government has been doing a lot. And, you know, our, our singular comment was with regard to this issue was uh, the headline was a bit misrepresented by the Financial Times by saying that we that I or we uh, slammed the Canadian government. There was no slamming. Ours, we were doing is 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 highlighting a concern um, which is what we should do as a, as a, as the world's leading mining um, stock exchange, is represent the voice of the 3,200 companies. This is across all sectors listed with us. We have a responsibility to be the voice and representation and the the advocate for those companies and indeed for the Canadian capital markets. So. In that role, our comments were that we were a little bit troubled by the government making this move in the way they did. We thought there would, could have been an opportunity to be more collaborative and uh, remove some of the uncertainties that came up as a result of that. And also, there is an opportunity to add more capital to the sector. And I think, you know, they have, as far as critical minerals of concern are concerned, they did increase the, 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 the tax incentive to 30%, the tax break for exploration in the critical mineral space. But we think there can be more. We think there should be more, certainly to, to replace the kind of capital coming from sovereign uh, uh, funds or, you know, Chinese investors who have been very active in the mining space, uh, providing capital to many of our issuers. We think that the, the government can perhaps be more aggressive in creating funds and encouraging investment in exploration and critical mineral space in particular. So we were, all we were asking for is a larger, uh, a larger emphasis on filling any gap that might arise from, from removing any group of investors from the capital markets. Yeah. I mean, I looked at that. Financial Times article, and I would completely agree with your characterization. That was an editor run amok, I would say, with that headline there. Yeah, it's there was no. Click. I didn't see any slamming in what no, you I, said. No, I think it was click. I think it was really to get the clicks. Sometimes you have to. I think to, so. Well, these days you have to be very focused on the content rather than headlines. <laughs> Indeed. So, just as a final thing, I want to ask you about PDAC, but just before we move on to there, and then we'll be done. But I just want to ask you about what it is that you think the government should do. I mean, I was talking to Anthony Malowski last week, and he thinks, frankly, governments actually need to invest in, like, they actually need to start providing capital for mines like, you know, this Dumont Nickel site he was mentioning in Ontario. They're not, you know, going anywhere unless, you know, put it this way. He's saying, you know, and I think it's very true, investors are renting mining stocks. 
They're not, you know, investing for the long term. As you're saying, even like the old school investors no longer are sticking with it. It's a very cyclical industry. And so people move in and out of it. So it's hard to build these things. So like it's a pretty radical idea for us out here in the West to, for a government, I think, to start investing in mining companies. But what do you think needs to happen? I think you are right. I agree with this, uh, with this comment and this, um, this strategy in general. The government does need to start investing in mining companies. Uh, the mining sector is a long-term one. I will say, if you are looking at examples, I would say you perhaps can look at the Chinese, the very Ch- Chinese government indeed. Remember, all of this is a reaction to the Chinese having a head start, if you will, on investing in, in critical minerals. And not only in, from the exploration to the production stage, but also in the processing uh, beyond the mining sector, beyond our part of the supply chain. The Chinese have, have invested extensively across the entire supply chain. And I think as the government is, 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 is creating and seeking to execute on their critical mineral strategy in an effort to, in reality, to really play catch up to what the Chinese have done over the past 20 years here, they will need to be more aggressive, yes, and they will need to make direct investments rather, uh, you know, beyond incentives like the um, increase in the flow through our tax breaks. Uh, there needs to be actually hard dollars invested in the sector and also invested in the long term because, and why this is critical perhaps is even more so because of the long term need that is, that your, your previous guest said. You see that pattern from, from the Chinese. They are long term investors and this is why they are so, um, often um, welcomed by many mining companies who, who had not seen that level of commitment from investors before. But certainly most of the companies that have taken advantage of those funds from, and I'm speaking generally of Chinese investment companies, you know, and, and mining companies who have invested in so many mining companies globally and acquired so many globally. They are long-term investors and they invest hard-term funds. In terms of what our own government should do, be more aggressive, yes, and make direct investments. And and again, you don't even you don't only have to look at the Chinese. You can look at the Australians. As I said, the Australians have been a few years ahead of us. The Australians have been a couple of years ahead of us. And what we've seen now recently is that the Australian government has actually started to make some of those hard investments into mining companies in the critical mineral space because it's important to them and they're they're replicating effectively what the Chinese have done. Of course, not to the scale. But they have, they're doing a lot more than us. We have, I've seen recently the Australian government made a direct investment in, in final phase investment into a, into a mining company in Western Australia to, to get to production, you know, to a debt financing. And no doubt you've seen more. You've seen uh, a lot of investments, um, quasi national agencies making investments to support exploration, exploration of critical minerals in their sector in Western Australia as well. I think this is where we've got to go. We have the government has to set up investment funds, sovereign funds has to put more into the mining space in terms of hard dollars, long-term investments. I completely agree with this strategy. That is what I think the sort of aggressive uh, role in filling the, any gap that might arise from actions that we have seen recently. Well, it sort of removes the vicissitudes of the market and the you know volatility in the markets. I mean, if you want to build the mines, uh, here's a way, right? I mean, it seems... Pretty straightforward. Although it does, you know, there, it does offend our sensibilities somewhat out here because we're not used to that sort of thing. Um, but you know, sometimes you just gotta, you know, seemingly wake up to cold, hard reality. And if you want this to happen, sometimes you just gotta make it happen. 
as we wrap up here, Dean, what are you doing for PDAC? What do you guys have planned? Uh, what's on the menu? We're pretty excited about PDAC. We always are. We we play a pretty key role during the the convention. This year is no different. Uh, we've been long term partners and supporters of the of the PDAC. So uh, we're kicking off uh, things tomorrow uh, with a market close to ring the bell, as we have done in the past few years. We bring in the board of the PDAC and the CEO and director and Lisa and the team come in, and we ring the bell to close the 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 week of uh, trading and uh and to bring in and to bring investors and global attention to the fact that hey something big is happening in toronto starting sunday so sunday to wednesday we are having the largest mining conference globally and so in addition to that we're hosting uh several uh delegations internationally from uh, argentina to mexico uh, we covered entire um, LATAM and we're, we're ringing the bell to open the market on Monday with a celebration of LATAM, um, mining. And so we're bringing, uh, Argentina, Peru, Chile, uh, Mexico, Brazil. Representatives from all those countries are joining us in our market center facility to ring the bell to start the week's trading. And, uh, we're looking forward to that. And on Tuesday, we're also ringing a bell to, as I mentioned earlier, to celebrate Canadian mining. And we're looking forward to that. Uh, Minister Wilkinson and our CEO, John McKenzie, will be hosting that where we have representatives from all the provinces joining us as well. And as well as the leadership from the indigenous community across Canada, who are, as you know, globally, are very much impacted by the mining sector. And I think we, we, we're going to show some unity and, and certainly have a chance to, to chat about some of the challenges and ways we can improve our, our sector going forward and the role that all stakeholders, including this community, can play in that and how, how they can also share in what we see as the rewards coming to us from the strong fundamentals in the mining sector that I mentioned earlier. And on, on Wednesday, the final market open for us will be to celebrate, to show our international nature. And, you know, uh, we have over half of our properties, properties represented on our marketplace are actually outside of Canada. And uh, we are having our Australian friends join us on Wednesday, the Australian government and Australian companies listed with us. And of course, those that are planning to list with us are welcome as well to ring the bell to open the market. And so those are some key events for us as well. We're doing market closes uh, during the week, just all PDAC central. And throughout the, the week, we're hosting several governments. We're hosting the uh, uh, roundtables with several governments. We're hosting a roundtable with the uh, Argentinian government as they seek to share with investors how the mining sector is changing in and how the economy and the plan how the government is supporting the mining sector in Argentina. We're having a similar uh, roundtable with the Peruvian government there who have been certainly at this at the the center of a lot of uh, controversy uh, in recent weeks. So they're bringing um, their prime minister and their um, minister, mining minister here to talk about some of those to in a round table again with our, with our companies that are, that are focused in that country. And uh, uh, we also have delegations from Mongolia, Ghana, etc. We're hosting a, a French, uh, a Francomin um, seminar here. So lots of things going on. We're very excited. And as I said, as uh, we see it as not only our pleasure, but certainly our responsibility to bring all stakeholders together at a time like PDSC when everyone is in town. 
where we can sit down and give uh, um, not only governments, but companies an opportunity to talk about how we can move our industry forward. Well, that sounds like an incredibly busy schedule. I hope you get lots of sleep ahead of time because that is going to be, <laughs> that sounds like uh, nonstop. You know what? It's uh, I have a lot of help. Uh, our entire company come together right here this week. Everybody at TMX Group is mining. So our marketing team, our uh, company services team, our, we have many businesses as well. Our data, we have a data business that's very, very active in TMX Data Links. Uh, and we have a trust business that is very active too for many of our, our, our companies. Uh, not only companies listed with us, but all public companies globally, really. But so we, we are a very diversified companies. And what's great about PDAC is that it brings all of our different divisions together to show a face to, to all our mining companies and all, all these, uh, different divisions, as I said, our data business, our trust business, our transfer agency business. And of course, our uh, company services business uh, will all be on the, the convention floor at our booth throughout the week. So people can come up and, and contact not only myself, but my colleagues on the on the floor of the convention center and, and talk about uh, what we can do to make you a better uh, company. Well, we appreciate you taking the time to speak with us at the Northern Miner podcast. Dean McPherson, head of business development for mining at TMX Group. Thank you for joining us and join us again on our podcast. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to TMX Presents, the podcast. And thank you to Adrian Pocabelli at the Northern Miner for the great conversation. For more information on the mining sector on TSX and TSX Venture Exchange, please visit tsx.com mining. And for more insights from capital market leaders and my colleagues at TMX Group, please visit tmx.com slash POV.